0: Today, I'm going to talk about the importance of being a newbie and playing and why that's so important. And we're going to talk about pickleball. (laughs) Okay, as we get started, I want to talk about how our identities can get in the way of having fun and enjoying our life, our identities, how we perceive ourselves, how we want to be perceived, right? And they can be actually roadblocks into having a meaningful life. And what does that mean? Right? Having meaningful connections. What are we doing with this? You know, my favorite quote from Mary Oliver is, what are we doing with this one precious life? And for me, it's about having, doing meaningful work and having a meaningful life and having connections with others. I'm going to share a story about how I was able to get over the resistance I had so that I could have those connections but it meant that I had to allow myself to be a newbie and play. I, in 2023, as a 50-year-old human, I don't identify myself as an athlete or even as a swimmer. I'm really, really clear. And there are s- circumstances in my life where upon introduction or somebody wants to say something, they'll say, Corinne's a swimmer. And they still hold on to that identity for me. And even my doctor will say like, oh, well, how's this impacting your swimming? I was a swimmer in a different century. (laughs) I've not been a swimmer in this century. I've swam. I've done master swimming. From time to time, I swim, but it's not a part of my daily, what do I do anymore? It's what I did. And I'm a part of that. There's that ecosystem of us in the swimming world where we're all connected. And it's kind of fun to see how we're so connected with each other and the common people that we know. I just ran into this last weekend. I met somebody. And of course, We are separated. We know one person in common and it comes from the swimming world. So the swimming world is very well interconnected, but it's not how I identify myself. And this is really important to me. Otherwise, I'd expect myself to be the swimmer and athlete I was back then and train at those levels as well as have the level of mastery that I had back then, either in the swimming pool or the part of the problem of being... And having that identity of being that collegiate swimmer identity that I had, it created a prison wall to being a newbie at other things. Because if I was supposed to be really good and good athlete, therefore I should be athletic in other things. And if you're not a swimmer, you realize a lot of swimmers are land dorks. And not being able to embrace that, that imperfection, like I did this past weekend, put actually prison walls on my ability to do things. So Part of it is it's really important for me to not identify as a swimmer or as an athlete, because again, I don't want to train. I'm not at that level of mastery. And I also know that that level of mastery hinders trying new things. And my body also can't hold up to the way it did back when I was a teenager in my 20s, right? I just can't do the things that I used to be able to do. And that's okay, because there's other things like I really enjoy being 50 years old. I love the wisdom I have, the perspective the understanding, the ability to stand with myself, right? So I really am enjoying this part of my life. And I enjoyed being a collegiate athlete. Like I really enjoyed that. And isn't that great that I can enjoy then and I can enjoy now. I don't have to go back and go, oh, those were the best years of my life and that sucks. Or back then going, that was okay. But now 50 the best. Like I've had really great things at both times. And I've had hard things as I've shared with you at both times. So being a former collegiate athlete with a love of accomplishment was also a barrier to doing new things. And sometimes my 50-year-old self can carry that forward. And yes, over the years, I've learned how to continuously remove the barriers and remind myself to be a newbie and embrace it. And there's still that perfectionism that's so deeply ingrained. It's like, oh, but I need to do this really well. And so this past weekend, my husband and I played pickleball for the first time. Now, I'm not an early adopter. I'm not somebody who's like, oh, yes, let's go try this new thing. That's not who I am. It takes me a while. I got an iPhone at iPhone 3. I did not stand in line for those hours to get iPhone 1. I'm not an early adopter, even though I love Apple products, right? So know who you are is really important. If you're like, now I'm an early adopter and boom, I'm in. I have a former athlete of mine. Who is this badass parkour athlete? And she was in the grocery store. I think she was talking to somebody, found out about it, leaned into it, is like parkour. You know, I follow her on Instagram. Maybe I used to have her on my show. She does all these things. It's pretty amazing. And she's a mother of three kids. And gosh, she's probably like between 36 and 39 now, right? So she has gone past our own beliefs about how we're supposed to be. So she may be more of an early adopter. If I have her on my show, we'll have to talk about that. But going back to pickleball. So here's the thing. My husband, he's an athlete. Well, actually, I don't think he calls himself an athlete. He's done a lot of sports. He's played a lot of sports. He likes to actually play. He likes to be active. He doesn't like to sit around like and be the biggest sloth in the world. He he needs to move. He's still pretty high energy human. So we had this opportunity. He got an invitation to go play pickleball. So the next thing I know, we're going to play pickleball. We were out of town together and we were going to play pickleball. He's like, okay. And, and I didn't have to play, but I went with him and I was kind of actually irritated because that was my own resistance of like, seriously, we're going to go play pickleball. If you're going pickleball before, there's all this drama in my head. But my whole thing was resistance and I can't believe we're doing this. We, you know, we should be doing something else. right? And there was somebody I was trying to get a hold of because we're getting some work done on our house in the next month. And things weren't getting finalized. So, of course, I'm being the responsible one. Anyways, so we go to play pickleball. He's athletic and he's highly competitive. Now, here's something else about awareness. I'm also highly competitive. It kind of makes sense. Like I was a competitive athlete, right? I had a deep desire where I wanted to win and I became a national champion my junior year right? And I've talked about that. And that was such a pivotal thing because it was an identity shifter from being a loser from loser street, or from being somebody who good things doesn't happen to her, where I shifted that and I really pursued it. And I put in the work and I was really vulnerable. And I created that opportunity for myself and that tenaciousness. And that became an identity shifter for me. And so really, it's kind of a bunch of bullshit when I say I'm not competitive, because I really am. But what I've done is that I've Held onto that identity of I'm not highly competitive because it was also a way to assure myself. Because when I get as concerned about what an outcome will be, it's my way to armor up and protect myself, right? Say, oh, I'm not competitive. If I'm playing a board game, yes, I want to win, right? If I'm doing something, yes, I want to win. I'm always willing to play the long game to win. And it doesn't mean it has to be, you know, zero sum games, but I like to win. And really, more importantly, I like to have mastery at something. I like to have proficiency, right? And I think that's really what winning is. It's like the confidence to be able to do something, the confidence to be able to go, I don't know if I can do this and then being able to do it and go, wow, that was so cool. I did that. That's really what winning is for me. And sometimes like winning a game is like, that is so cool. It doesn't define me as a human, but like, how cool is that? That that is something that I tried to do and I was able to do it. Like that part is what I really love. So again, my husband, athletic, highly competitive. I'm also competitive. So it's easier just to opt out and not do something because who wants to look foolish? Who's already a land dork who doesn't like to move? Like I've used to joke when when I used to play volleyball in high school, beach volleyball with a group of swimming friends. I was like, can't we just grow roots? Like my feet just grow roots in the sand. You know, I didn't really like to play. I didn't like to move. So now we're at pickleball. I'm getting in and I'm playing pickleball. And I've been hearing about pickleball for a number of years now because Brene Brown is a huge pickleball fan, loves pickleball, talks about pickleball. She used to play table tennis and now it's been pickleball, right? The pump has been primed and I've been hearing about hearing about it. And then over this winter, I've been seeing friends in Davis play and we have courts now in Davis and I've been seeing them play. I've been seeing it on social media. I'm like, oh, we have courts like, oh. And then a really good friend of mine is the tennis coach at the university and she's offered to take me out to the courts and I'm like, oh no, that means I have to move my feet. I have all this resistance, right? I'm a busy person, like all this BS. I've not yet said yes, but I think after this experience, I'm going to say yes. So I have resistance. I have resistance. Sometimes it's very silent, but I have resistance and don't have time. I don't want to do it. I don't know how to do it. I don't want to look foolish. I'm not athletic enough. I'm too old, whatever the stories may be. So how did I step out of my resistance? One is travel. So in last week's episode, I talked about travel and what do we need to do travel to support travel? Well, I was outside of my day to day, right? I was traveling, my husband and I were traveling. And so this is again, a reason why I like travel because it creates the space for new experiences and new opportunities because there wasn't the daily responsibilities. It wasn't like, oh, well, you know, I, I need to stay home because I'm going to do laundry or I need to stay home because I need to prepare for my taxes or all of these things that I'm supposed to do. It was like, oh, well, I'm here. Here's a Venn diagram. There's a space of a couple of hours where nothing is set. So I can sit on my phone and go through Instagram, or I can read a book, or I can connect with people and play pickleball. And there's also my husband, right? He really wanted to do it. So being in a new space, in a space where I was traveling, allowed for this opportunity to occur. Also, connecting with other people and getting an invitation. that was really lovely. Like there are people, they said, Hey, we brought rackets. Do you want to go and play? They were inviting, right? So for those of you, when you want to invite people, but you're like, Oh, but they're too busy. Remember this. It's really nice to get an invitation. Just don't make it an obligation. The third part of how I overcame my resistance was my husband really drove this. He really wanted to do this. He likes to be active. He's willing to try. He's totally willing to fail. And one of the reasons he's been so successful, he's like, I have failed more than I have won. And he's won quite a bit, but he's failed a lot, right? And he's willing to be a newbie and to mess up and make mistakes. And, you know, and that's something that I continue to practice and work on and learning to overcome. And so he's like, okay, I'm in this. There are times that I'm like, hey, I want to do this. And he goes along and he's like, oh, I'm not quite sure. And then he's like, that was really good. So it's nice to have kind of like a partner in this, it could be a spouse, it could be a friend, it could be a child who could help us overcome our resistance. The same thing for parents. Like if your child is struggling and doesn't want to do something, right? It's the same thing. It's like you can help them overcome, not by fearing making them fear, but you can help them overcome and not evaluating till afterwards. And I even forgot about this. I didn't even think about like, oh, Corinne, just go try this and then evaluate afterwards. was so like my biggest Aqua Monster advice to parents when kids have resistances like just evaluate afterwards, never before, because there's all this vulnerability of doing something new or doing something. So the other thing that happened is when I finally did get to the courts, because remember, like I dropped him off and then I was taking care of some stuff. So when I finally did get to the courts, the group of people that were there were really supportive and gentle. Now I didn't really know if that was going to be the case, These were people that I've met a few times, I've talked with, but I haven't been in this kind of setting with them before. And they've been kind, but I didn't know. So they were plain, they were kind and gentle, and they're very supportive. Then this allowed me, (laughs) because the support section was supportive, this allowed me to watch the shit show of my brain, right? And my lizard brain going, oh, you can't mess up, or you haven't held a racket since the 80s, and you you don't have good hand-eye coordination, all those old stories that come back. And I just said, okay, well, I haven't touched a racket so since my 80s. And I made sure I shared that, right? It's kind of like this whole protection of losing face instead of just allowing myself to be. But I watched my brain, and I said, okay, this is what it is. They were gentle. They were supportive. I laughed with myself. And then, of course, I missed the ball. Just even on a serve, I missed the ball. And as I did that, as I failed, and I laughed with myself and said, oh, I'm a newbie. And I started to relax because I already failed, right? The worst thing that can happen really happened. Well, I guess there could be other worse things like twisting an ankle or falling on my knees, but, you know, missing the ball. And then the most important thing for me, and maybe this isn't your case, but for me is to have that supportive environment. Had they been judgmental? I would have probably stopped and been like, you know what? This is not worth it. Screw this, right? But they were supportive. They kept explaining the rules. I still don't know all the rules. They helped guide me. There wasn't judgment. It was fun and play. So I gave myself permission to be a newbie. I gave myself permission to play. There was support. There was the space. And there wasn't judgment in that space. And and it was great because it was probably like all of us, the best of ourselves were showing up to support each other, to rise up. And there wasn't judgment in the space. I'm saying this over and over again, because it's so, so important. Let's stop judging ourselves so we can learn new things or things at a deeper level. I'm going to say that again. Let's stop judging ourselves so we can learn new things or things at a deeper level. Had they been judgmental, I would have stopped. They weren't judgmental. It allowed me to clear out all, declutter all that lizard brain stuff in my head, and then be willing to make mistakes, miss things, hit things, celebrate it. It was a supportive group. We can rise up together if we can be supportive. It doesn't mean that we don't get feedback. It doesn't mean we don't teach people you know, what they like, there can be guidance. It was like, oh, Corinne, you need to move over here. or Oh, Corinne, it's your turn to, to serve, right? There was still teaching. There was accountability, right? There was ownership of when I missed a ball, right? There's all of that, but there wasn't judgment. And the other thing that helped me continuously be on the court was there's the dopamine hit that you get when you hit the ball on a serve or on a return. It's really cool. Like I got really excited. It was like, I hit the ball, right? It was yay me moments, even in those small things like, oh, I hit it back. How cool is that? Remember how I said I could have stayed home or stayed at the hotel for a couple hours and just been on my phone? We get dopamine hits from that, right? We get dopamine hits. And then how often do you get frustrated? I get really frustrated when I spend a lot of time on that. I get that dopamine hit, but it's unfulfilling versus being a newbie and playing, and I get these dopamine hits, and I have fun, and I'm sitting here smiling as I talk with you about this, right? So the dopamine hits were awesome. I get some connection with people. I get some movement with my body. I get to play, right? And the other things that happened was I gave myself permission that I didn't have to lead. I spend a lot of time in leadership energy, and here was a time where I didn't have to lead. And I was learning about the scoring, the system, but I didn't have to know it. I didn't have to master it in that day. How often are you a newbie? And you're like, okay, I'm a newbie. I have shame I'm a newbie and I must know it all. That way I can, you know, not have to like be dependent on other people or burden other people. That was not my role. I was the newbie. There was a woman in the group who plays, you know, two or three times a week with a group of nine other women throughout the week that she plays and she's gotten the scoring thing down. And she kept reminding me over and over and planting the seed with all of us, learning the scoring takes some time. That's the hardest thing. Learning the scoring takes some time, right? And then once you get that down, that part becomes easier, right? It was a lot of fun in giving myself the space to not learn it all right now. And I saw a different serve where somebody just held the ball and then hit with the racket. And I'm like, I looked at that. I was going to try to do that. I thought, no, I'm just going to bounce it and then hit the ball. And I did that. And then the next time I played, I was like, actually, I'm going to try this. And when we were volleying and, and warming up, I tried it a few times. So there can be constant learning and refinement. And then the other part of stepping out of my resistance was playing and having fun. We've forgotten that as we've gotten older, like we're work, 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 but playing and having fun is so important so that we can do meaningful work. So that we can be fair there for the people we love, our children, our spouses, our friends, our family, our communities, and this martyrish stuff of like, and I've done it. I just have to work and I work and I don't really, I used used to say this, I'm not a person that really plays except when I want to go on these social media breaks on Facebook and I would consider that play. That wasn't playing, right? But really allowing myself to play and have fun. And I've learned over time that this is really important. So the first time that we played the pickleball, it was a short amount of play and there were some constraints and we all needed to get back. We, we, we had a certain amount of time, but then a couple days later, there was another opportunity to play again. And I was so much more eager to go play as I trusted this group. I'd spend a few days with them. They've been kind, you know, there was a lot of support and trust happens in small moments. It's not these big heroic things. It's in the small moments and it's about the vulnerabilities. And we started sharing about ourselves and our stories. And we just kept building those trust moments and being able to play and, and knowing that I wasn't going to have judgment because there's it's really tender to go be a newbie. Right? It's really, really tender. I can I can handle a lot of judgment when I'm in my skill set of mastery. Being a newbie, it's a little bit harder. And that's something that I'm going to work on is being a newbie and not being as tender. So we went to go play this next time. And my husband and I, we won the first game. I was a little astonished. I didn't hold on to, and I didn't really didn't pay attention to the score. I had a hard time understanding the scoring. And then I was a little surprised. I was like, oh, we're winning. And I noticed how my body kind of got tight because I'm in tune with my body in that way. And I just said, relax, focus on being present, hit the ball, You know, work together, hit the ball it's okay that I missed the ball. It was all those things of how I talked to myself. It's how I would coach an athlete. It's how I'd coach one of my leaders, executives, or entrepreneurs, right? So I just worked on coaching myself, talking to myself in that compassionate way and owning like, oh, I messed up there or don't have the backhand. It was game two that I'd played in my life, right? Like I'm not supposed to be a master at it. Reminding myself it's okay to be a newbie, So we won that first game and then I broke that old story of me being that I'm a loser from loser street. It was popping up. It was really faint in the background, but it's still there from time to time, right? That's one of the things that gets in the resistance that gets in the way of me actually showing up into the pickleball court because it's like, oh no, right? But we had fun and being able to win was fun. And then I skipped out on the next game. There was rotation and then I got to play my final game. With the different partner, Stacy, who's really, really good. You know, she's the one that plays all the time. I partnered with her. She was far superior than me. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm your second partner here, but she's far superior. She was great. She was very supportive. She was good. When I hit the ball, she was very complimentary, right? How do we show up to help people rise up? What is the impact? The old way that we had people rise up was to beat them down or to use fear or to use shame there are other tools that are actually much more successful and that actually lead to people wanting to do it more. So with this group, like for me to be able to show up and be in, give myself permission of being a newbie and playing and having connections with others and then having a group where they are committed to, you know, having this place to play and to have fun and at lunch today, I was talking to my husband. I was like, Hey, what do you think think about getting some pickleball rackets? And he just laughed because it's like, once I get into something, I start to become fanatic. It's like me with formula one race cars. Like that's now my, maybe my new thing. And he's like, okay. And we have some friends that play it. So maybe we'll go play with them. I think one of the courts by our house has been converted from a tennis court. And I'm going to reach out to my friend who's offered to play tennis with me to go and try that. It may be more running, but who knows? Like Letting go of the resistance, letting go of the judgments that I think make it impossible to go and play and practice and experiment. So here's the thing. It was fun to do a new thing at 50 and then to become comfortable and okay with not excelling and with making lots of mistakes and being a newbie. I don't like to miss balls. I don't like to make mistakes, especially if it, it, you know, is a burden for somebody else. But we're playing, there's learning. And it was really cool. Cause then we got into some volleys that went back and forth. We celebrate that. Like, we're like, wow, that was really cool. Right? It's fun. There's nothing in here that defines us. It doesn't have to give us any status. It's playing. And then how do we incorporate that into our other lives? Even if it's just filling you up so that then you can have fun and you can be more filled up so then you can be courageous in your work, so that you can have, you know, innovation in your work, so you can lead in your work, whatever the problems may be that you need, play is really, really important. And then this is a positive form of play, because what we usually do is we numb ourselves, whether it's with our phones, whether it's with television, whether it's with alcohol or drugs, because we're trying to just, you know, rest and relax. And we think that's restorative, but it's not, because then we go in kind of hungover. Versus, and we can be hungover. I've been hungover many times from my phone, right? Just that like, oh, I just did this and I feel so exhausted and drained and I haven't done anything for two hours versus playing can be revitalizing, right? Stepping out of our norms is so important because it can help us grow. It can help us have fun. It can help us see things in a new light, can refuel us. There's a quote that I came across this past week, and it's from Nicola Jane Hobbs. And it says, instead of asking, have I worked hard enough to deserve to rest? I've started asking, have I rested enough to do my most meaningful work? And I would incorporate in that rest, it's not just laying around, in that rest can be play. What are you doing to fill you up, to refuel you, to fill your soul so you can do your most loving and meaningful work. My friend, go out there and give yourself permission to be a newbie and play so you can connect with yourself and others and enjoy this one precious life that we all have. We all need play in our lives. It's not something we left behind in childhood and there will always be more tasks to do We need to play to do meaningful work, as well as have connections with people we love and the new people that we get to meet. Maybe for a brief pickleball game, maybe it becomes a friendship over time. A couple of years ago, I picked up paint by numbers. I had a client during shelter in place who went to that instead of her old vice used to be food, but she went to that as she was struggling with, does she retire What does she do? Because her work world had totally changed with shelter in place. And she kept talking about paint by numbers and how it was soothing for her. And then I overcame my own limiting beliefs of I'm not an artist. I'm not creative. I hate to paint because I remember I had to do that in college. And I ordered a paint by number and I enjoyed it in myself. Right. And I could watch when I get fanatic and like that tight thing seemed like when I wanted to win the pickleball or got concerned about that, where I needed to like do it perfectly. Like, oh, but I got it in the wrong number and being like, it's all okay. I'm playing. Learning how to play has been something I've been doing for a few years. Learning how to play, I guess, relearning how to play. So what newbie thing could you do to play? and overcome some of your old limiting beliefs that no longer serve you so that you can enjoy your life, do meaningful work, and be filled with connections. I'm smiling big for you. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts and television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR. And then I don't have to worry of, Oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes and that will ensure you that you never miss a show and you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things, but you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. On lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting, never been so wide Ooh.